Man, it is so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming out, hanging out with us today in person. If you're here at our Moray campus, we want to give it for our Ashley campus and our Grayson campus. Come on, we love you guys. For some of you, we are three, uh, we're one church in three locations. And if you know anybody from basically Huntington, West Virginia to Mount Sterling, all in between North South, man, we have a campus for you in Grayson or Ashland or here at Moorhead. And we also want to welcome everybody watching online as well. Man, I hope the series has been good, that God's been using it to speak in your life. I know it's been fun for me just kind of going through it and, and studying for it, preparing for it, but we've been giving some tips for your relationships, right? What are some tips? And Pastor Adam, Adam kicked us off talking about friendships and how we should have friends and how you should do life together. We say this all the time, you're not gonna know everyone at Burrow Life Church, but you need to know somebody. You need to know somebody. You need to get connected uh, with someone. And then last week I talked about your self-worth, your self-love, how do you love yourself, Here's the reality, we all love ourselves. It's all we loving ourselves correctly. So if you're struggling with like self-worth, self-esteem, self-image, if that's kind of this rings a bell to you, I wanna encourage you, in fact, I wanna encourage you to go back and watch it anyway if you missed it because I believe it has the potential to change all your relationships. And today, I'm gonna continue this series. We're gonna end it next week, but I'm gonna continue in this series. And I wanna talk to you today about the golden rule. Now, how many of you heard of the word golden rule before? Raise your hand if you heard of golden rule. Come on, get them up. You've heard of golden, okay, most of you heard of the golden rule. So today I wanna unpack that a little bit, and I just wanna make sure that we're all on the same page as we looked at it. And then I have a few points that I wanna share about the golden rule and how we could apply it to our lives and how it could really potentially, and I, I think it will, change our relationships if we'll allow it. Now, here, here's something you need to know. I believe that God is sovereign. And what I mean by that, I believe that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all in control of everything. When everything seems chaotic, God is still in control. There's something always behind what God is up to. And so the Bible tells me that before I was even born, he knew me. The Bible also tells me that when I was in my mom's womb, he formed me. The Bible also told me that he already knew everything about my entire life and he ordained my days. That means that God knew, he did everything I've done, will do, and has done. He knows everything about me. He knows every stupid decision I made, every dumb decision, every sin, every thought, everything I've ever done, he knows or will do. He is in complete control. He knows every, every, every pain, every tear. In fact, the Bible says the, he has my tears bottled up. He knows everything about me. And so if I believe that God knew me, formed me, and ordained every day that I have for the rest of my life, now God gives us free will. He knows the choices I'm gonna make. He knew I would choose A instead of B, and he still worked it out for his glory. He knows that. I don't understand fully how that works, but I trust the Bible is true. And if that is true, if God has, has known me, and he formed me, and he's ordained my days, then that means that every single person that has come into my life and out of my life was for a purpose. Because God never does anything by mistake. God just says, oops, you know, sorry, I missed that one. Gabriel, why didn't you tell me? You know, God doesn't, he doesn't miss that. So that means this, if God's an intentional God, which we believe he is, that means every single person who has walked in my life and walked out of my life happened for a reason and a purpose. And everyone's life that I've walked into and walked out of, God has used that. And so if that is true, then how do I win in those relationships? How do I make sure that I'm influencing people, winning with people, or really practicing the golden rule with the people around me? So let's, let's just go ahead and give the, the basic definition of the golden rule, and then we'll break it down on, on what are some ways we could apply this. So here's the basic of the golden rule. The golden rule, in, in a nutshell, is this. That we're to treat others the way that you want to be treated. 
Now imagine, just stop right there, leave that up for a moment. Imagine if everyone on the planet practiced that. Think about it, that we should treat others the way that we want to be treated. So sir, let me give you an example. You come home from work because you had a bad day at work, something happened at work, something messed up, something tore up, you know how to fix it. It's gonna sit back and everybody's frustrated. You're the boss, you're the manager, or you're not the boss or the manager. Everybody looks at you because it's your fault and you're frustrated. So you come home and you're upset. And so all of a sudden your wife, who had a great day, awesome day, things are great, life's good. You know, even the dog obeyed her that day. I mean, everything is going great. And you come home and you take out your frustration on your wife who has no idea what took place at work, you pull all your frustration out on her, and now her day's map set because you're upset, and you took it out on her, and it wasn't even her fault. Would you want her to do that to you? You come home from work, man, life's good, man, I got the bonus, everything went awesome, I mean, I'm killing it at work, things are great, and you come home, and all of a sudden, your wife who just goes off on you because of the bad day she had. You see, would you want them to be treated that way? And if we would just think this through, if we want to treat people the way that we want to be treated, I'm telling you, it has the potential to change your marriage, change your relationship, change at work, change how you see people, what you think about people. In fact, the reality is all major religions across the world actually has the golden rule. Everyone, they say a little bit different, but they all have a golden rule. In fact, the golden rule basically in this context was found about 300 years before Jesus was ever born. They were saying statements like this that had, but the thing is about every other religion's golden rule and everything except for Christianity, this is kind of crazy, is that everyone is written in a negative form. It starts out by saying, do not treat other people and then fill in the blank. But Jesus comes on the scene and he's the only person, the only figure in, in this ever lived who's taken this and turned it down to a positive and, and, and not a negative. Every, everyone says, do not treat, that's a, that's a negative, do not, it's a negative English, okay. It says, do not treat. But Jesus comes in Matthew 7, 12 and listen to what he says. Do to others, see now it's positive. Here's how you should act to others. Do to others, this is a positive. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. For this is the essence of the law and the prophets that are like hung together. Like this is, this is the command. Remember they asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What are you saying? All the, all the prophets, all laws hinge on these commands. He says this, treat people, do to others what you would want them to do to you. And if you want people to be nice to you, you be nice to them. If you want people to be kind to you, you be kind to them, right? I mean, that makes common sense. But here's the reality. Why don't we practice that? Like, why don't, we, why don't we put this into practice? And so imagine everybody who's come in your life, out of your life, if we believe that God has ordained those people in our lives and out of our lives, and God knew that, even though the bad things, the good things, and the ugly things, and the great things, how do we treat people? How do we respond then to this golden rule in our life as to we should love our neighbor as ourselves, or treat other people the way that we ought to be treated? And so what I wanna do is I just wanna unpack this for you and I'm gonna give you some practical things and, and maybe some suggestions, some thoughts that will provoke maybe how we begin to treat people in our lives. So come on, if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Here's the first point I want you to write down. Treat everyone with kindness, not because they are, watch this, but because you are. Now let that sink in. Treat everyone with kindness not because they deserve it, not because they are kind, watch this, but because you are kind. You know what I found out in my life? I, I, I've been a Christian now, I see going on, what, 24 years of my life now, 24, 25 years, just about it. Christians are some of the meanest people I've ever met on the face of the earth. See, you're laughing because you met them too. You know what I'm saying, right? 
People who claim to be Christians are some of the meanest, backstabbing, meanest, I mean, talking people I've ever seen in my life. I mean, these are people who say, like, Jesus saved me. You know, this is the church I go to. I mean, I mean, just mean, mean people. But imagine if everyone who are truly believers followed Jesus. Imagine true believers were kind, compassionate, and loving. Listen to me. We could change the world. We could change the world. In fact, I want you to listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 32. He says this. He says, instead, and he, he goes on, if you want to go back and read the context, he re- leaves all these negative things, and people are like, that, that, negative, negative, negative. But then he goes, instead, here's what I want you to do. Christian, follower of Jesus, believer. Instead, be, say it with me, kind to each other, tenderhearted, compassionate, forgiving one another. That's what he asks us to do. Why? And so that we could show that the forgiveness that has been within us. So here, here Paul writes, instead he wants you to be kind, he wants you to be considerate, he wants you to be compassionate, he wants you to forgive, watch this, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, I, I want you to think, why should Christians be the kindest, most compassionate people on the face of the planet? Let me tell you why, Christian, it's because you should go to hell. You deserve hell because of your sin has separated you from God. But watch this. But God in his great and his glorious might came and he saw you. He found you. He saved you. He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. He sent the Holy Spirit upon you and sealed you, guaranteeing you heaven. How should we not be kind? Imagine if God treated us the way we treated other people. Imagine married couples. Imagine if God treated you the way you treat your spouse. Or say the things you say to your spouse, he said to you. The Bible says, watch this. And in fact, this is what helped me even in my parenting and how I parent and treat my kids. Why? It's because I started thinking, how would God treat me when I blow it? When I mess up and make mistakes, what does God do to me? You know what the Bible says? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God was kind to you. He knew that while we were yet sinners far from God, he brought us near by the beloved. He was kind to us, and it's his kindness that leads us to go, I can't believe you love me, you forgive me. You mean you forgive me of all my sin, my past, my present, and my future? Yes. You mean you wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Yes. You mean I'm guaranteed heaven and sealed with the Holy Spirit? Yes. How can I not show kindness then? See, I think a lot of people who claim to be Christians or or, or, are Christians but are are mean Christians or mean-spirited Christians, listen, you've gotten over your salvation or you haven't gotten it. Because when you really understand how much he loves you and loves you and has forgiven you and his kindness, he's patient with you and kind to you, how can we not reflect this into other people? I'm telling you, this this could change all of our relationship if we would just practice what we preach and practice what Paul is preaching. Be kind, tenderhearted, to one another, forgiving them. I'll talk about that more next week. Forgiving them just as Christ has forgiven you. This should reflect everything that says, watch this, everything that comes out of our mouth should be kind. Everything we put on social media. Right? Isn't it amazing how we say things and people say things on social media they would never say to your face? Have you noticed that? You, I was sitting out reading stuff, I was like, you would never go say that to her. You would never say that to them. But we cowered behind a computer and we say things, we throw grenades and we throw rocks and we throw stones and the whole world is watching us. And right here in our text, I love Jesus, I love my church, Jesus saves me, yay. And then all of a sudden people read all the slander you have written on your Facebook. 
and we wonder why they won't come with us when we invite them to come. You see what I'm saying? Now, and if you're God and you knew that, what would you say? Hey, listen, I know the world hates you. The world's gonna be against you. The world's gonna throw rocks at you, but guess what? You respond with kindness because it's kindness that will lead people to repentance, which leads to my second point, and that's this. Instead of judging people of their past, let's help them build their future. Instead of judging people of the past, let's help them build the future. I mean, this is why Better Life Church exists. This is why we started the church. It's not everyone has a past. Everyone has a past. Every single one of us has stuff in our backpack that we don't want nobody to know, that we struggle with and sins in our life. We all have a past, right? But we come here and we get a do-over. We get to start over, right? Because when God sees us, yes, we have a past, but it's more about what he has for our future. And listen, I truly believe the best is yet to come. So if you come here and you've got a past, you're going to leave here encouraged going, guess what? There's hope for you. God can break your addiction. He can fix your marriage. He can bring your particle kid home. He can help you control your anger and your bitterness and your resentment. He can help you do these things. I'm going to tell you that the best is yet to come in your life. So that's why we even started this church. It's built on this, instead of judging people of their past, hello, we all have one, how do we help people build a better future? How do we help them in their life? But we're so quick to judge instead of help. Matthew 7, Jesus says this. Do not judge others and you will not be judged, period. That should be enough because Jesus spoke it. But we don't, we, don't, we don't do that. We don't practice that. So let's keep reading. Now I want you to listen. This is Jesus speaking. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard, the measuring rod, the stick that you use to measure everybody else, watch this. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And then he goes on and says, why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a long in your own eye? I believe a lot of times the reason why we can see negativity in other people is because it's in us. When you see, you say, man, I can't believe I'm so arrogant because really you're arrogant and arrogant spots arrogance. I can't believe she's so selfish. The reason you think she's selfish is because you're selfish and you see it. So Jesus said, wait, wait, wait. Before you start pointing out other people's junk in their life and start seeing all the baggage in their backpack and in their past and all that stuff, won't you deal with your own junk first? Won't you look in the mirror and see, wait, you, they got a speck, but you got this massive long. You've not even, you've not even worked through that in your own life and you're gonna tell them how to fix theirs? Don't judge him. And listen to what he says. Keep reading verse four. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you, right? We're gonna help you get this out, build a better future, build a better life. How can we help you? Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye. You hypocrite. Wow, man, Jesus is, man, he's just throwing it right here, man. It's crazy. He's just calling me names and, I mean, I mean, speaking truth. But listen to what he says. First, get rid of the log in your own eye Watch this, deal with your own junk, work through your own past, fix yourself, love yourself correctly. We talked about that last week. Work on your own self-esteem. Then when you get to that point, watch this, now you'll be able to deal and help and bring along and help your friend get the speck out of their own eye. You see how practical this is? But we wanna point out everybody else's junk and not deal with their own. You know, we, want, we, we were more concerned about the past and saying, hey, let me help you get a better view. And let me tell you how I broke that addiction. Let me tell you how I fixed the marriage. Let me tell you, when I say I, how God used it, how God changed. Here's some things that we did, and this is how God came through. Now you're able to sit down with integrity and say, let me help you, versus sit back and think that you're okay and you're really, you're not okay. You see, I always say, never use a hammer to swat a fly off someone's head. And we do that all the time. Hey, you get that hammer, you got a fly on your head. Like, oh, you beat people up. I mean, you beat them up. 
So what do you do? What, what are some ways? Now, I, I could go here and talk about all kinds of ways that we should do this, and, and I think we're all wired in. Let me tell you some of the great things. I didn't say this in the first service, but one of the things you could do is really, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about this on marriage night too. If you didn't, if you didn't sign up for marriage night, you need to get in there. I mean, make sure you sign up because we have limited space. You don't wanna miss that. And so at, both, at all three of our campuses, the more you understand yourself, the more you understand how you're wired, and there's all kinds of ways you could do that. You could take personality tests, you could do this stuff, you could ask people, because we all got blind spots. The more you know, you take yourself for granted, you think you know, but then really, do you really know? The more you can understand yourself, the more then you're gonna be able to help other people. And one of the things that, it's one of the, one of the core things that if you take a strength test and personality test, the things that I have, one of the things that I, that I, I really am foundational in is I believe in people. I believe that they, now there's some drawbacks to that because if you believe in people and you believe in a lot, people are gonna let you down, right? Because we're sinful, we're human, we're gonna make mistakes. And so when you believe so much, and sometimes some people won't believe in, watch this, some of you won't believe in people because you don't even believe in yourself. You need to go back and watch next Sunday, last Sunday. You don't believe in yourself and therefore if you can't believe in them, if you can't believe in yourself, why should I believe in them? If I can't trust myself, why can't I trust them? If I can't love myself, how can I love them? You see how this all introspects, if you could get deep down inside, how it can fix your relationships? I'm talking about from parenting to coworkers to coaches to your boss to employer to your dating relationships to your friendships. And, and, and so we need, to, we need to figure this out. We need to work on these things. But let me tell you one of the greatest ways, one, one there's all kinds. Let me just tell you one that I've seen personally, practically in my own life is that if you want to help people build a better future, here's what you got. You gotta believe the best in them. Listen to me, when you begin to believe the best in them, then guess what? The best will come out of them. And I'm telling you what, when you, be, I, I mean, when you start seeing people say, hey, listen, I, I know you have a past, but I believe that here's what God's gonna do in your life. I believe that the glass is half full. I think the best is yet to come. I know you messed up the first 40 years, but come on, what about the next 40 years? I know you screwed up on those first two marriages, but I think the third one's gonna be the best if you did get married. And you're gonna, I can't change the past, but I'm gonna start today and believe the best is yet to come in your life. When you begin to believe in somebody, it begins to change your life. And I'm here to tell you, people are just waiting for somebody to believe in them. Listen to me, married couples, and I'm gonna talk about this a little bit on marriage now. Listen to me, wives. Let me speak to the wives real quick. Husbands, I'll get to you in a minute. Wives, listen to me. If you would just believe in your husband, if you will learn to respect and just believe in him and don't make him assume that, well, honey, I married you 12 years ago. You know I love you. You know I believe you. Honey, we've been married 30 years. You know I believe you. If you would tell him and show him and believe in him that you believe in him, ladies, listen, ask and it will be yours. Whatever you want. He will do whatever it takes. He just wants you to believe in him. And I know he's a guy and he goes, I just don't know how to communicate and talk and what he said is true, honey. I want you to believe in me. Like, no, listen, dude, you know how to communicate. I'm gonna talk about that if you're married on marriage night. You can't hide behind that. We're gonna expose that. You can't hide behind, I just don't know how to communicate. Yes, you do. We're gonna talk about that. That's a commercial break for marriage night. Believe in people. Believe in people. And if you could believe, I'm telling you what, things could radically change their life. So we gotta stop judging people and start believing in people to help them build the future. And we do this all the time, man, we do this. I mean, it's just crazy how we begin to do things like this over and over and over with judge people. I mean, like for instance, and I said this, Sundays are kind of the worst days for waitresses and waiters because a bunch of stingy Christians go out to eat and they come in on Sundays and they wave their hankies and they praise Jesus, but because the waitress didn't fill up your sweet tea, he's like, I'm not gonna tip her. In fact, I'm gonna give her a tip. It's a gospel track, honey, you need Jesus, right? And you're gonna put that on the table. That's terrible. 
I'm being, I'm not laughing. I mean, that's, that is terrible. And we, listen, all over the place, all over the country, that's what's gonna happen. But what you didn't know is that she has three kids, her husband left her, her youngest is sick, no one can fill in for her, and she has to come here. And all besides that, there's only three people in the back helping her, but you go ahead and assume and judge her. Do you see what I'm saying? Everyone has problems, everyone has a past, but we don't wanna be kind when we're called to be kind and show this to the people around us. And we wonder why they won't come with us when we bomb the church. Oh, no, 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 I see all your church folk in here after church on Sunday. I don't wanna be part of that. You see what I'm saying? This is, this is, this is for some tips that can change how we begin. If we would just believe the best and listen, and don't feel suspicion, just put trust and say, you know what, trust, you might be having a bad day and stuff, you know, it's okay. And I'm gonna believe the best in you. Now, some of you, you've met people like this. Have you ever met somebody who has a problem with everyone? You ever met someone like that that's got a problem with everyone? Like everyone, everyone's always a problem. Ever met someone like that? They've got a problem with everybody? Well, there's a common denominator there. And if you have a problem with everyone, the problem's you, sir. The problem's you, ma'am. Like, I always have a problem with that. I have a problem with that job. I had a problem with that job. I had a problem with that job. I had a problem with that job. Well, what's the common denominator? Do you see this? These are where we just self-reflect here and go, you know what, I, I, need to, I need to work with this. We all have a past. I gotta stop judging. I'm gonna help people and believe them to have a better future, which leads to a third point. This is a big one. We've gotta stop trying to make ourselves look great by making others look small. Man, we do this all the time. Unconsciously, we do this. We try to make ourselves look great by putting other people down and make them look small. And we do this, watch this, when people fail and when people succeed. When people fail, here's what we say. We'll get together and say, oh, I knew that. I told y'all that's gonna happen. I told you that he couldn't handle it anymore. I told you she was gonna. And we get around people and what happened? We wanna make ourselves look great like we had the inside scoop and the knowledge of it. And say, you know what? You know, I knew that was gonna happen. I knew that was gonna take place. I always thought that she would. We're waiting to watch people fail. Then we as Christians, we get around you and say, did you hear, did you hear? I mean, that's what most prayer meetings have turned into gossiping. Y'all know that, don't you? It's turned into gossiping. I got a prayer request for Susie. She did it again. I told her she shouldn't, but Susie did it. Y'all need to pray for her. Y'all know gossiping's a sin? It's right there in the book of Corinthians, right beside sexual immorality. And you'll throw stones at sexual morality, but then you turn around and gossip behind something. It's a sin. And we wonder why we don't have good relationships. And so when people fail, we're the first ones to say, I can't believe they did that. I would never, I would never have done that. And we make ourselves look good by making someone else look small. But folks, we do the same thing when people succeed. See, true friendship is not tested when you fail, because when you fail, who's your friends? They're gonna be there around you. True friendship is like when you succeed, can they cheer for you? Because most people can't cheer when people succeed because they're jealous. Because you say, I should have got that job. I should got. How do they have such a great relationship? I deserve a better relationship. I mean, their kids look perfect and great. Yeah, that's just the picture. It took them 38 minutes to get the picture, one picture. We talk, like, you make everything look perfect. So when people succeed, we do this when people succeed as well. You'll say, oh yeah, I heard they got that. I heard, yeah, I heard they accomplished that. But did you know? And you'll point out a flaw. You'll point out a weakness. We do, this, we do this unconsciously. 
when someone begins to do something great, we'll say, oh yeah, they just got lucky. It's just luck, I know, it's just luck. I don't know how they happened. It's luck, I know that person. There's no way that could have happened. Oh, did you hear they got the job? They got the job? Well, the only reason why they got the job is because their mom knows John and John knows Doug and Doug said, hey, if you need anything, let me know. They just got the job because of who they know. You see, we do this all the time. We make everyone look small to try to make ourselves look big. And we have no idea that we're even doing this. Like this is something that, this, these are the words that come out of our mouth. So Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 2, 9, it says, don't use foul and abusive language, okay? We get that, we should understand. But look what it says. Let everything you say, watch this, be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Could you imagine if every word that came out of your mouth was gonna be good and helpful encouraging someone? That'd change a marriage. That'd change how you act at work. What you say on your lunch break. What do you chat behind people's back? Everything I say. Now watch this, listen. You can't control the thoughts that come into your mind. Every one of the thoughts that come in your mind, some of them you can control. You can't control the thoughts that come in. The enemy's gonna, he wants to divide you from your marriage, he wants to divide your friendships, he wants to divide your relationship. He's gonna pierce your mind. He's gonna pierce that right and say, hey, won't you go ahead and say this because you know this about them. So when that thought comes, Watch this, you can't control the thought when it comes, but you can control it when it gets there. And I'm gonna choose to reject that, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna choose not to speak up and say that. I could say it, it's there. If you're in a prayer meeting, just say, unspoken prayer requests. Don't say it out loud. It's there, God knows it. You don't have to let you, have to let everybody else know it and deal with it. Everything comes out of your mouth, be helpful and good and encouraging. I'm telling you, that could, that could change, that, that right along right there would change our relationships that are around us. Proverbs 18, 21, this is very powerful. Please hear this. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. The tongue can bring death or life. That means this, your word has the power to destroy your marriage or heal your marriage. Destroy your friendships, heal your friendships. Destroy your dating relationship, build your dating relationship. Destroy your coworkers or build your coworkers. You see that? Your words are so powerful. James tells us it's like a, a spark that could set thousands of acres on fire. It's so powerful that you could bring life or death to your marriage or to your relationships. And the sad thing is most people speak death over their kids, over their relationships, over their spouse, over their coworkers, over their coach, you go on and on and on and you speak death over people. Do you understand how powerful your words are? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never. Whoever wrote that's a liar. I have been hit with sticks and stones, but the hardest bruises I still have in my life are words that people spoke to me. Death and life in the words. Knowing that consciously now, how should we th think before we speak? That's what James says. Be slow to speak, be quick to listen. Quick, listen, listen. Think before you speak. James also says, it's on the screen, if you claim to be religious but cannot control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Control what you say. And then my fourth and, and final tip that I wanna share with you, these are just random tips of practicing the golden rule. And that's in, we need to understand that sympathy is not empathy. Sympathy, being sympathetic, is not the same as being empathetic. I may hit on this a little bit on marriage night too as well, but this right here, I believe, really is a key. 
Paul write, I'm sorry, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter three. He says, finally, all of you, talking to believers, those who follow Jesus, all of you should be watched harmonious, one mind. Same mind, same page. All of you should be on the same page. Skill on the same page, same mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as a brother and sister. Love as a family loves. Be tenderhearted. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when you're insulted or when someone insults you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And then he will grant you his blessing. So God, wait a second. If someone curses me and I bless them, you'll bless me? That's right. Let that sink in. Someone curses me, but I bless them. I respond with kindness, compassion, understanding everyone has a past, everyone has a backpack. And bless them, God, you'll bless me. Yep. And so what does he say? He says right here, he says, so everyone should be of one mind and sympathize with each other. Listen, being sympathetic means I'm gonna understand from your perspective. But being empathetic, empathy is understanding from their perspective. Let me say it like this. If I'm sympathetic, that's when we share our feelings. We share, you cry, I cry, you laugh, I laugh, you're sad, I'm sad. I'm gonna share your feelings with you. That's very sympathetic, pity, I'm gonna share with you. You go through a hard time, let's go, I'm gonna go with you. So, sympathetic is sharing, but watch this, empathetic is understanding why you feel the way you feel. Listen to me, sir, listen to me, sir. If you, if you let me speak to the Americans real quick then. Husbands. If you will learn to understand how your wife feels, it's a game changer. It's a game changer to understand it. Now I know what you're saying. There's you don't you don't know how I married you. I can't understand this girl. Listen, there's only two things. Two two things. Two things. Sorry, I didn't have enough coffee. There's only two things that you need to know about a woman. The problem is no one knows what they are. But we're working on it. We'll work on it, bro. Right here. Hang tight, we'll figure this out together. When she says, I feel, you're like, I don't know why you feel that stupid, you shouldn't feel that way. Suck it up, just go tell them. No, bro, that's not gonna go well with you. But when you stop and watch this, not sympathize, empathize. And then help me understand how you feel the way you feel. How did you come to this conclusion? That's what, that's what Peter writes when he says, be a sound mind, be of one mind. Here's what he's saying. Be on the same page. Most married couples are on the same page. We're gonna do that. Some of you don't even have a page yet. Come on, we're gonna work on that too. Get on the same page. Watch it. We're gonna be sound, one mind. And we say this on our marriage night, right? When the husband leaves his family, the wife leaves her family, the two shall become one. They become one physically. They become one flesh. They have children. And when they become one in flesh, their children is the one flesh that they produce. We got all that. But listen, it's more than just physical. It's about being one heart, one mind, one emotion, one understanding. And when you begin to understand the why he feels the way he feels, ma'am, why she feels the way she feels, why he does the things he does, why she does the things she does, you will be able to, watch this, watch this, you'll be able to be, not watch this, be proactive, not passive in your relationship. You know, married couples argue and have problems for six years before they ever reach out for counseling. So when they come to my office or they come to a counseling session, they've already been struggling for six years before they even 
now start trying to deal with it. Statistically proven. Because we don't understand each other. Empathize, not just sympathize. And when you begin to understand why the people feel the way they feel, because remember, everyone has a story. And so here's what you do. You need to give people the benefit of the doubt. Give people the benefit of the doubt. No matter what it is, I always do is I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I wrote this down. Instead of putting people in their place, we need to put ourselves in their place and respond like Jesus. And I'm saying if we can do this, this is a game changer in our relationships. So how did Jesus do that for us? Do you know he put himself in your place? That you and I should have died for our sins? But he came and he died for us? I'm gonna close with this, Philippians 2. Paul writes, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? That make me truly happy, Paul writes, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, by loving one another, working together with one mind, one purpose. Don't be selfish. That'll fix a lot of relationship problems right there. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. That'll fix your self-image, your self-worth, your self-esteem. Humble yourself. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. My pastor friend, Pastor Alan Bonnell at Emmanuel Baptist, this is his life verse. Secretly, I just said it out loud. He's gonna watch this, I'm sure, later. But he practices to put others before himself. He practices of thinking others better than himself. And he's a beautiful picture of living this out practically today in front of his church that he pastors, in front of his friends. He's also an elder here at our church. And so it's amazing to see he practices. He doesn't think himself better than others. And he says in verse four, don't look only for your own interest. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. How? By having the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. If you're going to read the rest of Philippians here, what did it do? What did God say? He said, in all of his glory and all of his splendor, Jesus stepped out of heaven, stepped onto earth. He humbled himself. And he went to the cross and he died in your place. And he died in my place. He sympathized. He understands everything you've gone through. And because of that, the Bible goes on to say in Philippians 2 that God exalted him and put him at the right hand of the throne. See, when you humble yourself, God will exalt you. But if you will exalt yourself, God will topple you. And he'll take you down. So humble yourself. And one way is if you're gonna win in relationships, you have to humble yourself to say, you know what? I'm gonna be kind to you, not because you deserve it, because I'm kind. Because I have a kind heart because God gave me a new one. I'm not gonna judge you of your past. Why? Because I know where God took me from my past. So I'm gonna help you take your next step and build a better future for your life, for your family, for your relationships. I'm not gonna talk about you and trying to make you look small anymore to make myself look big. I don't have to make myself look big. Jesus died for me, that's all I know, need to know. That he adopted me in his family, that makes me big. Not what I say about you. Do you see that? 
And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna just push you off. I'm gonna get to know you and understand why you think the way you think, why you make decisions the way you make decisions, why you do what you do. I'm not just gonna sympathize. I'm gonna empathize. I'm gonna understand you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna build this relationship and understand where you're coming from so I can know. Oh, that's because how you was raised. I didn't know your parents, I didn't know you lived, I didn't know that's what happened when you was a kid. I didn't know these things tragic was in your life. I didn't know that it was successful. And when you start to understand why people conclude to where they are, that shows maturity on your part that you've humbled yourself and be willing to slow down and learn. And if you'll do that, that can change every one of your relationships. So knowing what we've heard, what are we gonna do? How, do we, how are we gonna practice this? And so here's your homework assignment. I'm gonna pray that every day this week that the Holy Spirit will be very right on top consciously for all of us because we're gonna have an opportunity to practice this as soon as we walk out these doors. A thought's gonna come, you're like. You bite your tongue. And watch this, the more you do that, the easier it gets to have self-control. Can't control what comes in, but I will control what comes out. And over time, the enemy will realize another tactic because he realized you're not giving into the bait he's trying to bait you with. And then he'll go find something else to try to tempt you with. And I know this personally in my own life, being immature and growing in the faith, growing in the faith, learning more of who I am, being more empathetic and understanding people. I'm telling you, the more you do it, the better it helps in your relationships. Because think about it. Don't you, don't you wanna be around people who are kind? compassionate, sweet, loving, forgiving. Is that not the type of people you wanna be around? Then be that person. Be that person and watch God change your relationships. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. Listen, I'm not here to beat you up, make you feel bad. It's never been my intention. The intention is Let's call to the surface unconsciously the things we do when we judge or point out other people's faults. You might not even know you're even doing it to make yourself look big, but that's the root of it. My prayer is that we will leave here today a little bit better understanding who we are and a little bit more self-control of growing and maturing. You know what, I'm gonna guard my tongue. That's what the psalmist says. God, guard my lips so that I may not sin against you. And let's just go be the people who love on people and show people Jesus. And so hopefully you'll leave here encouraged. You're going, you know what? That sounds like me. That sounds like what I, things that I say. But today's a new day, remember? Can't change the past. Some of you may need to go apologize for the things that you've said, but you can't change the past. Today's a new day. Let's move forward. So start today being a better you. Start today of yielding your thoughts, your minds to the Holy Spirit. Start today and say, God, I, as you've been kind to me, I'm gonna be kind to others. God, help me treat people the way you treat me. And I'm telling you, that will change your relationship. But listen to me, the greatest relationship you could ever have is with Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, you will not have, this, you will not have the Holy Spirit to help you love people the way they deserve to be loved. Listen to me, sir, you can't love your wife the way she does, needs to be loved apart from not knowing Jesus. Because until you've experienced unconditional love, how in the world can you just show love to the world? Same way with you, ma'am. So today, you have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus, right where you sat. Or if you're watching online at one of our campuses as well. 
All you need to do is cry out to Jesus, say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me, and I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know, I'm gonna yield to you and ask you to forgive me of my sin and help me follow you all the days of my life. Now guard my lips that everything I say and my actions that I do will reflect the kindness that you have shown me. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, listen, we wanna celebrate you. We wanna know, and just in a moment, host or your campus pastor is gonna come out and they're gonna share with you some next steps that you can take in following Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how relevant it is. God, forgive us. Lord, even unconsciously, sometimes we say things and do things. We don't even think, and Lord, forgive us of the words that come out of our mouth. I pray that you begin to do a work in our heart because you tell us, Jesus, that what's in our heart comes out, and if toxic words come out, it's because it's toxic in our heart. So God, I pray that you begin to do heart surgery this morning in our lives, that you begin to transform our heart with kindness and soften it with compassion and soften it with empathy and love. Even when people curse us, we're kind, not because they're kind, but because we are, because we've experienced the kindness that has come from you. So help us, Lord, be the people you've called us to be. And I pray that you would use that for your glory to draw men and women to yourself, that God, we will see people saved all over this region and ultimately the world. For it's your name we ask and we pray, amen.